This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, learning Perik Pei Zion in the Kaviyashar. Some new Kaviyashar. And then I'll tell you a couple of stories. So, Isma Sefer Rezil, Rezil Amalach. There's a Sefer called Rezil Amalach. It's supposed to keep it in your house to protect you. It has all kinds of shameless in it. It says in the Sefer Rezil, I was showing the bad people. After the peace of Gehenim. Even when they're standing in Gehenna, the door of Gehenna, ain't no chayshim. They don't do tshuva. Yicholin lachto eshlehenish ki nishiruch nobody says Israeli. Kach nosin tzedaka ba nishmas hamesim. You should give tzedaka the ili nishmas to people who passed away. Vaaz nishmas hamesim hey praklim gedolim. They they become your big protector. Kishemekayim adamas haneder shnadam beesas koras nishmasin. When you keep your neder, that you're going to give money in their neshama. So they become your protectors. And through that, Hashem sends bracha through the live people. That's if you don't postpone your, or stop your uh, donation that you promised to give. When you leave shul, when you finish davening, it's good to go visit your Rebbe. I'll be in Arizona. If you want to fly in, let me know. It's like when you when you visit your Rebbe, it's like being makabel the pnei shchina. And through going to meet your Rebbe on the on the holiday on, on Pesach, the person gets a nitzutz, a spark of holiness, like an extra yeshama. After that, go to your house. Go to your house to eat with your kids. Don't go to your friends. But go to your Rebbe to get a little bracha Learn with him a little bit. Make sure you give before Yantif money, presents for poor people. What do we call it? Mos Chitim. Very big mitzvah before Pesach to give Mos Chitim. Of Shimonheimer, of Shimonheimer, says, anyone. You go to the hotels, you, you, you buy nice clothing for the Antif, you buy a lot of food. But you don't give Hashem his peace. He's called a bad eye. And the Satan hates him. Immediately the Satan is Makatreg, right? Prosecutes him. And he takes him from the world. And he has a lot of tzaras. Because you didn't help the poor people. And they're a chelik of Hashem. Hashem wants the aniyim to be happy. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes to look on those days, the days of the holidays of Pesach. To look at all the broken vessels that he has. What are the broken vessels, boys? Broken vessels are the poor people. And if Hashem sees that the poor man has nothing to be happy about, Hashem cries, you hear? You didn't know Hashem cries, do you? Says the Zoyar. Hashem cries and he wants to destroy his world and he sees poor people on Yantiv, on Pesach, who don't have food and we're all having a good time and his Aniyam are not getting anything. 
And all the Malachim come to Hashem and they say, Master of the world, you are called the man, the, the one who has Rachmanus on his creations. He's God. Have pity on your children. Look at these Aniyim. They're, they're crying. They have no food. Didn't I create the world for Chesed? And if I see that there's no Chesed in the world and there are poor people in Flatbush, in Barapar, all over the world, Yushalayim, that don't have food, is it right that this person who's rich, he's able to eat and to drink and he's able to help Aniyim, but why not sell him Klum and he didn't give him anything? Immediately, the Satan comes and says, God, I'm going to do your work. I'm going to chase him. I'm going to give him tzaras. And by every meal that you sit, the Makatri comes. The prosecutor comes to see, did this person give poor people to eat? Are there any poor people sitting at his table? If there are poor people at the table, the Makatrik is sent out of the house. He's thrown out of the house. But we love the poor people have no money and don't have no food. And the Sultan comes into your house and he sees you're partying, you're happy, but there's no poor people. As like, he goes up to Shemayim and he causes you a lot of problems. By any meal, not only during Yantif, they're not talking tired at the table. They're not, they don't have any poor people at the table. What is God getting out of this? There's no simcha mitzvah. Just, they're just chilling, hanging out, going to a restaurant, talking business. But there's no poor people being taken care of. And there's no, there's no tire being said. Surely, if the party is, has to do with bad thoughts, there are men and women sitting together, young boys and young girls, in one room, and there's music, and there's men and women dancing together, but they don't see the Satan who's with all his minions of destructive angels are dancing in front of them. What are you going to get from this? This was, this was 325 years ago he wrote this. And this sin is found in our days in Poland and in Lita. Be careful. Make sure that the men and women sit separately. That you should stay away from the Avera. The, the, the stranger should not be at my party. What's the stranger? The Satan. The, the, the this is a little bit scary. Every person should think in his heart. In the end, the person dies. When the soul leaves the body, he's, he's dried up. He's, the worms are eating him up. Where is the partying? Where's the enjoyment that your flesh had from all this? 
It's like it never was there. There's nothing left of all that drinking and eating. You become bones, you become dry like a tree. And the Avera of eating and drinking, not of a mitzvah, remains. But gufat somewhere in the body and in the bones. They should kill they Says if you eat and you drink and you get drunk and you can't bench. Right? Anyone who benches, listen carefully, with simcha and kavanas halev, you bench with a bencher. And you think about what you're saying. When you leave this world, welcome the stocking Lord. There's a place set aside for you. In a secret place. In a secret heichol. And he talks about my machrainim and that the sitra achra, that he gets that dirty water. Okay, so that you have to make very careful. You should, you should wash your hands. Before you bench. He tells a story about the Rizal, a whole story about this person who had pain in his shoulder and he couldn't eat. And and he said because he didn't go right away to wash Nitiosidayim. So the word takef, which means immediately, is the same letters as kosef, which means a shoulder. He says like this, we'll end with this, Peches, Pezayin actually, and he says, Hari l'chosh ha-kosh baruch hu medakti g'mkol echad Hashem is very strict with each one of us. V'chom asav hu b'cheshmen, everything is a cheshmen, midu v'mishko, hu adosh t'chanah, kol mishloi b'erach 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 anyone who doesn't bench with kabana, Hari does sitra achra al-shulchana, you should know the satan is sitting with you at the table. Anyone who benches with kabana, yisko l'shmoi b'erach 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 You will hear benching. From the mouth of Dara Melech, I recently when Hashem makes that big meal of the Yasan, the Sulch of Yasan, if you bench with Kavani, you'll have this chus to hear Dara Melech bench. And therefore, he says, we find in the Zayar Pachetrum, if you say Az Yashir with Kavani in the morning, you'll see the face of Mashiach with his crown. You'll see Mamish the crown that Kleishel had when they went through the Yamsuf. You'll see the same crown. If you say the Shira of Yosha in the morning, right? If you say Az Yosha in the morning, then you'll be able to see the crown of Mashiach. Alright. What else do we want to talk about? There's a whole Kabbalah thing about in Nisan, the animals eat the, the, the animals eat the, the grass, and then the shamas in the grass. Whatever. I'm not going into that tonight. Alright. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Pesach. We talk about going to the mikveh Erev Pesach.
We have to do tshuva like we do it in Tishrei. Get rid of the Midah of Gaiva, of Gasas Ruach. Give tzedakah, don't lie. You have to clean yourself like you do for Pesach. You have to clean your, your body and you have to clean your neshama. And he says very befairish that a person has to go to the mikveh ere Pesach. Very important to go to the mikveh ere Pesach, guys. All right? All right. Now, that's a little kabayasha, but we want to get into something else. So if you remember last week, um, I told you a story of the princess. Remember the princess bride that was in the mud? It was last week, wasn't it? One second, last week was Rabbi Lamb. Was I here last week? I wasn't here last week. So I didn't tell you the story? Or did I say the story? Last week, where was I last Tuesday night? Rabbi Lamb, were you here last Tuesday night? I think I was here last Tuesday night. I, was, I was here last Tuesday night. So we set over a story. He's not here, the cameraman, but... Um, we said, oh, yeah, we did. We said over a story last week about the princess, the woman who laying in the mud, and she said, help me, give me money. You don't know what I'm talking about? I You don't know what I'm talking about? Right. And he washed her up, and she ended up becoming the princess, whatever it is. Right, okay. So anyway, so what happened, the point that I want to make, is that what happened Pesach night was Hashem said, we'll go through the story very fast. There was a king, and he was looking to get married, and he was on his way to meet the princess of another country, and he was in his carriage, and he came to an intersection, and there was a girl laying in the mud, and she was filthy and dirty and muddy and disgusting, and she put her hand out, and she asked for tzedakah, and he took her in the carriage, and he brought her to the castle, and he cleaned her up, and she was sitting by the, by the meal, and she was the most beautiful girl, and they all said, how did you know? She looked so disgusting, and he said, I was able to see through the mud, and through all the garbage, and I was able to see who she really is, and Akash Baruch said the same thing. He wanted to take us out of Mitzrayim, and the Malachim said, we're filthy and dirty, we're on the 49th level of Tumah, and we're in Mitzrayim, and we're slaves, and why would he take us out? And Akash Baruch said, I see what they really are, and we said, and we spoke from the Kabbalah that Hashem comes to everybody's house, and he makes the Malachim come, and admit that he was right, and they were wrong, because they said, she's filthy, and he said, no, wash her up, and you'll see, and they, right, it's a famous story. So you see from that that Hashem was able to see through the the dirt, our dirt, and Molochim were not able to see it. They saw a bunch of people that were doing Avodah Zara. So to them, we were low life. So that's the special thing of Pesach, the night that Hashem saw our beauty, even though we were filthy, and He chose us to be His wife. We got engaged Pesach night. Okay. I want to tell everybody who's watching. I think that was in the times of Yitzhak Triumph. Today, there's nothing like it. So tonight, it's not that going to be such a long share, but tonight I want to tell everybody two stories exactly like this story that happened not that long ago. So, maybe if you've heard the story, maybe not, but I think tonight's the right time to say it. So, how many years ago? I'm teaching since I'm 20, so it's 40 years ago. This boy I taught 
30 years ago. Okay. This story happened 30 years ago, maybe, maybe 25 years ago. Maybe, probably 25 years ago. Anyway, so there was a boy in my school, in Kranach Yeshiva. I was an eighth grade rabbi, and I had a boy in my class whose name was Scott, and his brother, whose name was Howie, was in sixth grade. Howie got thrown out of school, out of Kranach Yeshiva. At that time, I wasn't assistant principal, I was just a rabbi, and the English department threw him out, and there's nothing I could do for him. He got thrown out. I had nothing to say. So he never made it to my class. Never made it to my class. And he went to public school. Because if you left Kranach Yeshiva, there wasn't any other yeshiva for you to go to. He ended up in public school. To say the least, he went way off the derech. But I didn't know him. He never got to my class. And it was his brother. And I didn't see him for nine years. So I didn't know what happened to him. I heard he became a Buddhist. I didn't really know what happened to him. Nine years later, his brother's getting married, Scott. Now, in those days, I was in a, a yeshiva of kids that were not from, from non-from homes. So when they had a bar mitzvah, they had dancers, don't ask what they, what they hired. And it was, very, it was a big struggle for me as a Rebbe to go to any of these bar mitzvahs. They hired non-Jewish dancers and, and, and non-Jewish musicians and DJs. And the, 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 these weird Italian girls were helping the bar mitzvah boys dance. Forget about it. It's crazy stuff. They weren't religious. You know, then they had the cake and the kind of cake. But I had to leave. So, so all the weddings that I went to in those days and all these kids that were not religious. So there's one dance. They're all non-Jewish bands, but they all know one Jewish song. Hava Nagila. Hava Nagila. Every Goyesha band in the world knows Hava Nagila. So we call it the Hava Nagila dance. The Rabbeim, the religious Rabbeim, so the first dance, they put a little mechitza, a little like, a tissue, right? They put it up, a little machitza. And they play this one song. And this song, the Rebbe dances with the Mitzvah boy or the Chassin. And then it goes for like two, three minutes because the band doesn't really know much of it. And then it's like, that's over. They go into their rock and roll and you have to leave. You know, mixed dancing, there's no machitza, nothing, whatever. So Havanagila dance. So I went to many Havanagila dances. It's the only song they know. So I come to this wedding. It's a true story. Amazing story. Amazing story. Story you could say over at the Pesach table. Not exactly the way I'm saying it, but you could say it over. So I come to the wedding. Howie is the biggest anti because we threw him out in sixth grade. He hated rabbis, he hated Judaism, he hated everything. He's a very spiritual kid. So for three years, he, he went with his girlfriend, who was totally not Jewish, to the Himalayas. To learn Buddhism. A year of silence. A year of silence. Shaved head, tattoos, huge Buddhas, both arms on his chest. And he was really into it. But he came to the wedding. He was back. He came to the wedding. So he's sitting right across from me at the table. And he's got a girl on his lap. A non-Jewish girl on his lap. And on purpose to make me mad to push my buttons, doing what they're not supposed to be doing in front of me. But I knew that this was a trap and that he wanted to prove to everyone how we judge you, we don't love you. So he wanted me to react and get up, walk out. I wasn't going to fall for it. Scott walks in. The band starts to play Havana Gila. 
That's it. All the Jewish, all the from rabbis get up to go dance. I walk over to Howie. I said, Howie, hi, how are you? I haven't seen you since you're a little boy. Yeah, Rabbi, yeah. I'm like, you're not going to dance with me? How about a gila dance? So he turns to the shiksa, the Gaisha girl sitting on his lap, and he says, what do you say? Should I go to, the, should I go to dance with, my, with the rabbi? And she made the biggest mistake of her life. She goes, yeah, why not? Go. So he gets up. He's angry, he's angry, he's angry. Angry kid, he's always an angry, angry kid. And the three of us, me, Scott, and, and Howie, the younger one, we're dancing in a circle where we're all on top of each other. Like three guys with our arms all around and we're going in circles. I turned to Howie, I don't know how Shem, I don't know where this came from. I turned to Howie, I gave him this fat, wet kiss on his right cheek. And I whispered in his ear, I said, Howie, you want to make out? You can do whatever you want. You're not going to get me angry. And I'm always going to love you. So you don't need to, to do all this stuff. It's not going to happen. You're not getting me angry. And then I gave him a big kiss on his left cheek. Now, I was only 30 years old and then. I was much more on fire than I am today. I'm old. You think I'm on fire now. You didn't know me when I was 30. And I gave him a kiss on his left cheek. And I'm like, but I want you to know something, Howie. I love you, but you're going to hell. What? So you heard me. You continue doing this. I'll see you in hell. That was my words to him. Wow, was he upset. So I said, the song was over. I said, Lila Tov, see you later, baby. And I walked out, and he was so angry, he walked out with me. And he said, all you Jews, all you religious Jews, you're scared to look at another religion because you know you don't have the right one. Now he pushed my button. I said, oh, and you have the right one. Buddhism. I said, you know what? It was a Sunday night. I said, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock in those days is my chabura. Why don't you talk to my boys? We don't know anything about Buddhism. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm going to become a Buddhist too. I don't know about the year of silence. I don't think I can do that. But... I don't think I can do that because that's not what Hashem, Hashem created our five senses to use in the world for the good, not to not use, not to use them, right? But whatever. I said, but you know what? I'm willing to hear what you have to say. You, you spent three years meditating all this stuff, right? Cool. So I, I'd like to know that. Says, you wouldn't let me speak in front of your boys. I'm like, you're wrong. I want you to come Tuesday night at eight o'clock. I'll be there, man. I'm bringing my girl. Like, you're not bringing your girl. So at the end of the day, you're Jewish. You have a Jewish soul. I want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from her. Okay. He shows up Tuesday night. Not here. This time was in a different show. It's going way back. It's a true story. And he says, you let me talk? And a bunch of guys, the vague guys, whatever. Baby, get up and talk. He gets up and he starts darshaning. The energies in the world, the chi and the we and the di, the bit, the bit, the bit, and how Buddhism works and all the energies come together in the sun. It's desire, whatever it is, but whatever it is. Right? He's explaining to everyone, they're all sitting there. He finishes, he sits down, he says, I said, okay, rebuttal. Now it's my turn. 
right? All the guys are like, I'm like, I took everything he said, I wrote it down, and then I threw it back at him, I said, the chi and the we and the energy, it's all about energy, right? All the different energies, where they come from. A greater energy. Oh, so you're calling Hashem a greater energy. It's the same thing. You're giving him a name as the greater energy that created all the lower energies, which created all the lower energies, which in the lower energies created the world. So at the end of the day, the great energy, just a translation of Hashem. You call him a great energy, we call him Hashem, the higher power, the 12 steps, whatever you want to call him, the creator, the creator of the end. I had all the notes, so everything he said, I went through and said, who created this, who created this, how did this happen? Done. He wasn't prepared for it. Okay. We finish. He's not angry. I didn't, I didn't make fun of Buddha that he's fat. All those years that he couldn't lose two pounds, how could he be God? I didn't go there. I didn't want to start up with him with that. I didn't want to make jokes. So I answered very seriously. Okay. I said on the way out, I said, I want to talk to you when everyone left. I said, I said, Howie, I didn't throw you out of school. I wasn't part of that. You know how I treated Scott, your brother? I love guys. I I had no power. The English department, I had no power. I said, but I want to tell you something. You were born a Jew. You like it, you don't like it, you want to be a Buddhist, whatever. But you were born a Jew. How come you went with this girl, spent all this time learning about Buddhism, and you never came to learn about Judaism? If you came to me and said, I spent three years in yeshiva, and then I spent three years in Himalayas, and I chose Buddhism. I'm not happy about it, but okay. But you didn't spend three minutes in yeshiva. You know nothing about our religion. Go learn about our religion. That's what you were born into. And then make your decision. You're a smart boy. Learn about it. He says, where am I going to learn about it? Who's going to take me in? I said, go to Eshet Torah in Israel. Spend three years in Eshet Torah. Then come back to me and say, I don't like it. But that's what you were born into. Why are you learning about somebody else's, right? Learn about yours first. And if you don't like it, then okay, what can I do? We're going Yom Kippur. I'll take you with me. Eretz Yisrael, I always go Yom Kippur. I'll take you with me. We bought him a suit. Took him to Eretz Yisrael. He went to Eshet Torah. He hated it. He was there for a week. He said, I'm not doing this. They're, they're brainiacs. He's not a, he wasn't a brainiac. He's all emotion. He's Himalaya. He's fasting. He's uh, walking on fire. He's singing, whatever they call ooh, chanting. He's doing all this stuff. He's not into proving Hashem on our chalkboard. One plus one equals two. It was never who he was. He's emotional. He's spiritual, not logical. That didn't work. I think we sent to Osama for a week. That didn't work. So I know what to do. So I said, you know what? Just, just travel, Eric Stroll, stay, stay for two, three weeks, go to Tzvazgore, whatever. Anyway, he met some Lubavitcher guy, and that was it. He went straight Lubavitch. Straight, straight. What are they called when they sing? Um, they're not called Nigunim, whatever. Nigunim, vodka, drinking, whatever, dancing, davening, wasikin, the mikvah. Hey, went into the whole thing. He had these crazy tattoos on his arms. Big tattoos. I saw them. Buddha with snakes, a cobra. It's all part of it. Or Cobra, Buddha, and he had it also on his chest, chest, but not little things, like monstrous things, like from his elbow up to his, to his shoulder. Wow. And when he went to Lubavitch, he didn't want anyone to know. So even when I came to visit him in the hot summer, it was 100 degrees, he had a sweater till here. 
and he had his sleeve still here, you could not see. He never went to the mikvah because Lubavitch goes to the mikvah every day. He would go in the afternoon. He had the keys, but nobody was there. He didn't want anyone to see his tattoos. All right. Anyway, three years he's in Lubavitch. He's flying. He's learning Tanya, very into Tanya. Because Tanya is like very spiritual. Tanya, Tanya, he's learning 10 hours, 12 hours a day. Tanya, he's like, forget, he's flying, he's flying. Three years in Eric's Israel, he's got a beard, Lubavitch doesn't shave. Beard, payers, I look like a guy next to him, okay? He says, I don't have Buddhas on my arms. So, calls me up one day, he says, Rebbe, I'm Rebbe now. Rebbe, I have to come back to America. And I, whatever, I didn't want him to come back to America, because that girl that he was his girlfriend, I didn't want her to get back at him, to get him back. So in Israel, she had no connection. But if I'm bring, so I had to do it. I said, why do you want to come back to America? He says, I want to get married. A lot of my friends that I'm learning with got married. I want to get married. Who in Israel is going to marry a guy with tattoos that's a Buddha? <coughs> it's not like you have a rose or a number. God, if he, I said, if you drop a tissue, I can't pick it up. I'm bowing down to your avoid desire. If he drops a tissue and he's standing in front of me with his Buddhas and I bow down, I can't, I can't pick it up. I used to make a joke with him. Don't drop anything. <coughs> so he says, maybe in America I'll find a Balchuva girl. She has tattoos. I have tattoos. We'll get married. We'll have babies with tattoos. As a joke. Anyway, so I said, you don't think anyone in Israel has tattoos? Not religious girls. No. Not girls that are religious, don't have tattoos. So I'm coming back, Rebbe. I said, you listen. It was Pesach coming. It was right after, he was there Pesach. And so I said, why don't you just stay till the summer's man, till Tisha B'Av. It's a couple of months. I'll talk to you, Rosh Hashiva. Maybe we'll find you somewhere. Nah, you're not going to find Okay. Call it Rosh Hashiva right away. I'm like, listen, you know, Howie, uh, you can't call him Howie. Chaim Shalom. Don't call him Howie. Chaim Shalom. You know, Yeshiva, he wants to get married. I'm not supposed to tell the Rosh Hashiva this. But Rosh Hashiva goes, oh, he has tattoos on his arms, Buddhas. I'm like, how does Rosh Hashiva know? He says, you think we don't know? We know, we don't talk about it. We know. He said, so I said, so Rosh Hashiva, maybe you can find a shidduch for him in Eretz Yisrael. Okay, I'll let you know. Two weeks later, I get a call from Rosh Hashiva. We have a shidduch. From, from girl, from Krachabad, Lubavitch. Her parents are from, from people. I said, you didn't tell him about the, 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 the tattoos. He goes, no. I said, okay. Read the Shidduch, I'll talk to, I'll talk to, Howie. I'll talk to Chaim Shalom. So I called Chaim Shalom, I said, read the Shidduch. He goes, Rabbi, where you go from Krachabad? I can't even look at me, whatever. I said, don't tell her about your tattoos until the fifth day. Then you can tell her. Maybe there's some feelings, maybe she'll look away. If you're going to tell her up front, hey, check out my Buddhas, you're done. Wait five days and then tell her. First date, second date, third date, fourth date. They're momish like each other. It's like chemistry. And he had a very rough life. He never had a real family. So finally there was this girl that loved him and really like, was into him. He was like freaking out. He's like, I know she's going to run. I know she's going to run. I know she's going to run. I'm like, you don't tell her in the beginning of the date. After the fifth date, at the end, she's sitting in the car. You tell her. She's really into you. Maybe she'll look away. He's nervous. He's fasting. He's, he goes to the Kaisal Vasik in that day. He's like, forget about it. He really wanted this girl. So this is, he tells me the story. He calls me out the next morning. This is what he tells me. He says, we pull into Kwar Chabad and we're sitting in the car and she's like, okay. And he says, 
there's something I need to tell you. I just don't know how to tell it to you. She's thinking, it's Lababish, fifth date, you're engaged. She's thinking, he's going to say, well, you marry me, but he's one of these guys who, you know, doesn't know how to talk. She says, take your time. When you're comfortable, you can say what you want to say. He says, no, you know what? I can't say it. Instead of saying it, I'm just going to show it to you. She's thinking, ringy or bracelet, right? She's like, okay. In other words, she understands he has a hard time. So, you know, it's like a guy who doesn't know how to talk with her. He just takes out a ring and says, you like this? Like, you know, whatever. So he was in a shirt, a white shirt. And he opens up his sleeve. And she's probably thinking he was wearing a bracelet. I don't know what she was thinking. And he pulls up his shirt. You should see this Buddha. It's gross. He's like sitting on a chair with like a snake around. It's like really gross. He says, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you, but my Rebbe said, but he put me under the carpet. So my Rebbe said I shouldn't tell you to the fifth day, right? Took care of Wallstein. I was done with her. She had to talk to me. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, he says, if you think this one's bad, because he was driving, so he could only show this one. He couldn't show this one. He says, this one, the one on my, on my other hand is even worse, and I have one on my chest. This is what he told me. She looks at him with these like, serious eyes. Very serious, quiet, from ill girl. And she says, at that time he was Howie, she says, Howie, I don't care about your tattoos on your skin. There's only one tattoo I care about. He's scared about it. It's going to say on your chest, right? The tattoo on your soul. What? He says, you are the most spiritual boy I ever went out with. You have Hashem yud Hey vav Hey on, on your soul tattooed. And that's all I care about. I don't care about anything that's skin deep. True story. And you don't know how he goes... So you'll marry me? <laughs> and she says, tonight. I'd marry you tonight. I never met anyone like you. And they got married. They have three little children. Two of them, a boy with a little pace. He got a long beard. He's like a rebel. Lubavitch, unbelievable guy. Unbelievable boy. And he spoke in Ornava, I would say about 10 or 15 years ago, maybe more than that, maybe, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago. And we advertised from Buddhism to Judaism, from tattoos to tefillin. The priest was packed. Packed! He got up and he told his story. And all the girls were crying because the girl said, that bring your heart. So the place was on the floor. The place was crying. And when he says the story about how she spoke to him and how the first time in his life anyone spoke to him like that, he was crying. So the whole place was crying. I was crying. Everybody was crying. He finished. I'll never forget it. And I went up front, this big beard, went up front, I gave him the biggest kiss, and I said, you're going to Ganeiden. Forget about what I said a long time ago. I wish I could sit next to where you're sitting in Ganeiden. He's like, thank you, Reverend, he's crying, and I'm crying. Anyway, these 40, 50 girls come up front to the stender, and they're like, can we ask you something? He says, anything, anything. Goes, can we see your tattoos? I was like, oh my God, they didn't say that. He's like, see, Revy, this is the problem. So he told me, why do they want to see my tattoos? 
So, the reason I'm telling you the story, that's what Hashem saw. That's what Hashem saw on Pesach night. He didn't see the skin deep. He didn't see the Jews that were bowing down to Avodah Zarah. He didn't see the Jews that wanted pickles and watermelon. He didn't see the Jews that complained that they didn't have meat. He didn't see the Jews that complained they didn't have water. He didn't see the Jews that created an Egel. He saw something much deeper. Hashem saw that Yudke Vavke was on every Jewish soul. And that's what he told the angels on Pesach night. A Malach, a Shliach, a Saraf, you only can see skin deep. You only see what the Jews are doing. But I know what's on their soul. And I don't care what's on their skin, on their goof. I care what's on their neshama. And the neshama is indestructible. And every Jewish person from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov has a Yudke Vavke on their neshama. And this girl in Chabad was able to see that. I wish that everyone watching this year tonight would have the ability to see all the girls in the street with the short skirts and the guys without the yarmulkes and eating tray for not keeping Shabbos to be able to see past that. The angels couldn't see past that. But Hashem could see, and be able to see that every one of these kids, and I can testify how many kids that looked so bad on the outside that today are unbelievable. But I'm going to tell you a greater story than that one. You think that's the greatest story you can hear? The greatest story you can ever hear? I'll tell you something even deeper than that. Another boy in my class. But this guy was in eighth grade. Very dysfunctional family. Six foot two, huge, about 300 pounds. Huge guy. I heard that he went to public school, to high school, to college. He ended up in L.A., whatever it is. And he ended up joining the Hells Angels. The motorcycle gang. Hells Angels. Bad guys. I heard... And one day I come, to, I come to a wedding of one of his classmates. I haven't seen him in maybe 15 years. And he's there. He's huge. He's like 6'4", huge guy. He's in a leather jacket. He's got the long beard with the rubber band on the bottom. He's got the ponytail. He's got the chain, you know, their wallets and everything are chained. Everything's changed. Everything's leather. He's got the leather boots, the leather pants. It looks real mean. And in the front of the wedding hall is the, is the motorcycle. He had the real thing. This was my boy. Talk about tattoos. There wasn't a part of his body that wasn't tattooed. Up his neck, over here, he had piercings in his ear. He mamish looked out of the movies. Mamish looked like he With a Harley Davidson in front. What, do do? what can I do? You know, some, some kids. He comes over to me in the middle of the wedding. And one thing about me and my eighth graders, we loved each other. And I was very much here for this boy. He didn't have a mother, he didn't have a father. I was very here for that boy. But I lost contact after he left Yeshiva. Maybe it was my fault, whatever. He says, Rebbe, no one called me Rebbe. Rebbe, I want to talk to you. So we walk outside, we're standing by his motorcycle. He says, I know this is not what you expected to see me. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have any expectations. Whatever, whatever you do is good for me. You know that. I don't, I, don't, I don't judge you. He says, I'm going to make you happy tonight. I'm like, you can give me a spin on your, on your Harley? He goes, no, Rabbi, you're not driving my Harley. <laughs> I said, how are you going to make me happy? He said, I'm going to show you something. It's 
True story. I cry. I cry when I just think of this. He takes off his jacket. He says, look at my hands. One hand from a tip. He had, he had tattoos on each finger. He had some letters, some kind of weird letters on every finger. All the way up his arm, up his shoulder. I mean, he was just like one big fat tattoo. He says, Rebbe, look at my left hand. Nothing. Nothing. Not a drop of ink. He said, Rebbe, remember in eighth grade you brought me my tefillin? He says, when I was laying on the bed in the tattoo shop, and all my buddies were there, my girls, my guys were all there, and we're figuring out which tattoo to put where, and they did my whole body, from my toe, my belly, my stomach, my back, my arms, everything. When they came to my left arm, I said, you can't touch that arm. The guy's a little guy, and they said, what's the problem with that arm? He said, you're not going to understand it, but I had a Rebbe that I loved, and he gave me a present, because they didn't have many money. I went out and I bought them filling. And he, he gave me a present when I was younger. I'm not going to put tattoos on that hand because I don't want to wrap my rabbi's present on a handful of tattoos. So Rebbe, I still put on filling every once in a while. No tattoo. It wasn't one tattoo on his hand. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God. Guy is laying in a tattoo shop with hell's angels being tattooed from head to toe. And he's laying there and thinking, don't touch my left arm. My Rebbe gave me a period filling. And maybe I'm going to put him on. Can't be any tattoos. Be calm, please, strong. That's who we are. And that's who Hashem knows who we are. And that's why Hashem looked down at a dirty, filthy, present, peasant, princess, slave in the worst place in the world, and said, that's my wife. And the Malachim said, are you crazy, God? What are you doing? She's filthy, it's a peasant, you're God. That's what you're going to take? That's what you're going to get engaged to tonight? Yeah, because there's a Howie. There's a Hell's Angel. Those are my princesses. Because the Neshama can never, ever be destroyed. And they all have a tattoo saying Yud, Kei, Vav, Kei. And that's the Seder. And that's Sipi Yitzis Mitzrayim. That even though the Malachim and everyone else gave up on us, you Hashem, you never gave up on us. That's what it's about. And that's the Simcha. And therefore you need to sit by the Seder and you have to make sure that if God didn't give up on you, how could you give up on you? He's so much greater. And He didn't give up on you. You're a lowly human being. He said, no, he's not a lowly human being. And the Shema is forever. It's part of me. It's indestructible. God is indestructible, and he is indestructible. And that's what you have to think, think about. And that is the paradox, boys. The, I love that word. You know, there's certain speaker words that are very powerful. Juxtaposition. That's like a speaker word. Another speaker word is paradox. And the paradox of the situation. Right? It's a great word. Paradox means two opposite things happening. Pesach night, you have a paradox. You have, what am I? I, I had a, a class today. Here in all yesterday, I said, what are you? I'm, what are you, Pesach night? Are you rich or are you poor? So the kids said, we're rich. We lean, we dip. I'm like, yeah, but you say, hey, I'm eating poor man's bread. I'm a slave. Are you a slave or are you a freak? 
You're leaving like you're free, but you're eating more like what? You wish you were what? Do you think that's what Manashtana is? Much more passionate and much more greater. I was poor. I was on the 49th level of Tuma. I was a broken, I was a slave nation. I was a Lechem Oni. I was depressed. I was a slave. I was poor. We had nothing. A slave, not, even today, halakhically, whatever the slave owns, the owner owns. I had nothing. But now, I'm rich. And now, I'm free. Even though I'm still in Golis. But I can learn, and I can daven, and have a mishpacha, and have a family, I can do mitzvahs. A person who's born rich does not appreciate it. But a person, the, the princess who is in the mud, who's now the queen of the world, or the queen of the, of the nation, appreciates much more because I lived in the mud. Therefore, I understand the people of the mud. She's a much better queen. She understands those people. That was us. And that's the paradox. It's not a paradox. Paradox means two opposites. It's not two opposites. We were Avadam Hayinu. We were slaves. We were poor. But at the same time, at the end of the whole Seder, we're seeing Chasal Seder Pesach, we're saying Hawel. Is that a paradox? We, we appreciate it more. And I'll end with this thought. I heard this many years ago. This guy climbs Mount Everest. Takes him three months. Crazy stuff. Ice, slipping, avalanches. Hooks, you know, you know the whole mountain climbing. He finally gets to the top. My gosh, it's like the greatest thing you can do in life is to is to climb. How many people climbed and got to the to the peak, to the top, right? Unbelievable to the summit. Crazy. You're gonna write a book about him, a movie about him. It's crazy. And there's a little boy standing up there. He says, "What? How did you get here?" Impossible for a kid your size to be able to climb a mountain like this. So I didn't climb the mountain. How'd you get here? He says, I was born here. Many years ago, there was a mountain climber and his wife. They made the mountain. They, they pitched the tent on top. They have a house. I was born here. He says, you were born here? You don't know what you're missing. You never, get, you never got a chance to climb the mountain. It's very deep. You got a chance to climb the mountain. So they're both on the top of the mountain one appreciates the other one doesn't like what are you so excited about why would they write a movie about you I'm on the top of the mountain too like what you didn't do anything he says that's the godless when you sit by the seder after going through gullus of 2,000 years of going through Mitzrayim of going through pain and trauma and divorces and no marriages and, and crises and cancer and all that and then you're sitting by the seder after you went through all that you're climbing Mount Everest and you're, and you're getting there and you're finally at the peak Pesach night, you're at the peak, you're sitting with your family, you're sitting with your silver, you're sitting, everyone together, you're leaning, it's, it's Haggadah to Levincha, your children, your grandchildren, you're sitting at the peak. You appreciate the climb. You appreciate the climb. So therefore, the, the marar and the matzah and the brokenness, you appreciate the hollow much more because you came from such a place. That's the night of Pesach. And it's a very big Indian, says the Kabbalah, to Davin. Especially by Chasal said the Pesach when you sing Lushan Hamba, to daven for what you need. Because the king will give the princess the night. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a anniversary of our engagement. That's why it's called Leil Shemurim. That's why that night you can leave your doors open. Because it's an anniversary and it's a very holy time when the king takes care of his, especially, specifically, especially of his princess. It's the night they got engaged. It's the time to daven for Shidduch, for Panasa, for everything. It's like Yom Kippur. It's even bigger, maybe.
and the Chasar Seder Pesach is the Ne'ila. It's the Ne'ila of the Seder. It's an Indian to daven them. To go to the Mikveh Erev, but to daven specifically by Chasal, daven to Kodesh Baruch Because he brought all his Malachim to see who you are and how you got there. And to show them that he was right. You guys all said that these guys are filthy and dirty. Look what they are now. Much more than the girls saw, but Kodesh Baruch Hu sees. It's not important. Kids off the derech, Chayzvah's kids off the derech, and Mechal Shabbos, and assimilation, and all that. And Kodesh Baruch Hu's like, that's all the guf. But all of them together, no matter what, have a neshama, and have a tattoo, like Chaim Shalom, and they all say, Yud Kei Rav And that night, we turned to Hashem, like how he turned to his wife and said, will you marry me? And Hashem says, tonight. That's what Pesach is. May we all be zaychel l'shana b'agrushalayim. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.